minus three, two, one. PWC, we are go for launch. This is Launch Hour, the story of PWC's marketing journey, powered by Salesforce, with your hosts, Joel and Mike. All right, welcome back to another episode of Launch Hour. I'm Joel Caruso. And I'm Mike Wisniewski. Awesome. Mike, how's it going? It's been a little while since we last talked. Yeah, I remembered my password this time, so we're actually recording on time. Got a great episode in the can with Nicole I'm excited about. Yeah, and everyone who was kind of listening in the background while we recorded, Nicole left it pretty excited and really wanted to dive in as a host herself on the next one. So I think that's a pretty good sign. Another big thing that's going on right now is the fact that the NHL season's finally underway. I think both of us have breathed a sigh of relief that we got something to watch on TV again. And I know that was one of the big things that we like to talk about while working on the project together. So, I mean, I think we could talk a little bit of hockey. I'll check in with you on that one. Joel's, uh, as I'll tell you in a second, a Maple Leafs fan, and they're looking pretty good. And I'm based close to Chicago. I'm a Blackhawks fan and not looking so hot for us. We weren't looking good coming into the season. We got a couple key guys out, Kirby Doc for the season. So I don't know, not so stoked on it. But in the playoffs, I think I'll be uh, rooting for the Maple Leafs. How are the Leafs looking there, Joel? Good, man. That That's touching that you're going to root for us. It's not always something that people do. Some people are pretty diehard fans of, of what they cheer for, and that's it. So it shows our level of friendship when you're willing to cheer for another team, especially one on the other side of the border. Shout out to a member of the Unified team, huh? Colin, who's a bit of a hockey player, right? I think you saw him in action a little bit. Yeah, so when we were doing this project, one of the, the guys on the team by the name of Colin, and we'll talk a little bit about Colin's role later on. He was a big part. He kind of jumped into the project partway through, I think it was January or February last year. And, and the first thing he asked is, hey, can I take a Friday off? I'm going to play in a pond hockey tournament up in the Muskoka region here in, in Canada. So that's cottage country for those folks that aren't familiar with the province of Ontario. And he ended up coming in second, which was pretty impressive. It was a bunch of ex-pro guys or ex-college guys and his little team from Halifax managed to come in second. So he was pretty fired up about that one. Good times. Before we talk about the project, we want to talk a little bit about where to find us. I mean, yeah, I guess we can talk about marketing cloud and things like that. Yeah. So if you ever want to reach out to us, obviously this episode is a little bit sooner. So our first episode hasn't been released yet at this time, but we definitely do want to hear from you. So please send us a note. Our email is gbl underscore launch underscore hour at pwc.com. And then if you want to get in touch with us on social media, Mike, how can we do that? That would be hashtag PWC launch hour on LinkedIn or Twitter. And then and they can also get us on the web, correct, Joel? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a splash page. So if you're looking to find the podcast in a format that isn't on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can always go to pwcpodcast.splashthat.com and you'll find all the information there. There's links to our great guests, pictures of myself and Mike, in case you wanna know what we look like, just cause you love the sound of our voice. And then finally, there's some links to other podcasts by PwC and Salesforce. Awesome, so let's talk project, huh? Yeah, let's talk project. So we left off with Nicole. Um, Nicole really talked about how PwC and Salesforce came together rather quickly, how we all met in person and, and really started planning exactly how things were gonna go down. Our next step that we talked a little bit about with Nicole was the planning of the in-person meetings in London and Melbourne, which we referred to as our deployment planning workshops. So key step in any sort of big transformation or deployment of some technology. We really understood the importance of doing these meetings in person. So it was kind of key to setting up of the relationships, making sure that 
we set the tone right from the beginning. As we mentioned in the last one, the territories, the PwC network firms already had purchased Marketing Cloud and we're kind of sitting around saying, hey, I've paid for this. We've set up some of the business units. What's going on? So we had a really, really important agenda and things that we needed to cover off. And I think, Mike, you you kind of got the worst end of this. You went to both the London and the Melbourne workshops back to back. And that was probably a hell of a first couple of weeks. Yeah, it was a grueling bit of travel for sure. I was uh, certainly a zombie by the time I got home, but I think my wife was happy to be rid of me for a couple of weeks being honest about it. <laughs> But um, yeah, in the DPW itself, I think you guys had to take a lot of care with those agendas, right? Yeah, it was kind of one of those things where we had our priorities. So from a global team perspective, we had, I think it was around six or seven territories that we wanted to, to get through. And when you're a global project team, you have your specific objectives. And then you think about it, this is a big transformation for the individual network firm. So they also had their very specific objectives that they needed to require. And obviously they were paying us a, a large sum of money in order to come down and do this and paying Salesforce another pretty large sizable amount of money to be able to do this successfully. So we really wanted to set the tone right, but at the same time, we had to respect what they wanted to do. And, and I'm just going to pause here. I think this is a good time to introduce our guest. Calvin Yo is actually from the Australia network firm at PwC, and he was a big part of our trip to Melbourne and Melbourne, Melbourne, it depends on, on where you're from and what you call it. But we'll be getting into a discussion with him about those priorities that I spoke about and his experiences with transformation and marketing cloud. Before that, I do want to talk about some of the things that we did while we were down there. So in order to make the transformation more successful for all the different PwC firms, we created a lot of enablement assets for them. So Nicole Cole spoke a little bit about what enablement is, and, and I do a lot of this with some of our external clients as well. But some of the key things that we created for Marketing Cloud were modern marketing journeys. So it was a big story where we animated it or at least made caricatures on a, on a big piece of paper that explained to them, hey, look, this is exactly how you'll be using Marketing Cloud in the future. And, and it was a great way for people on the marketing team who were ultimately going to be using Marketing Cloud to say, hey, look, okay, this resonates with me. This is what we're actually going to be able to, to do with the product. And, and then it was also super important to highlight how members of our individual lines of service, so consulting or tax or audit, were able to use what was being done because, I mean, in the past, there was no insight into what marketing was doing unless you actually spoke to the team from marketing. So these journeys really brought to life what they could expect from Marketing Cloud and, and all the different things that were available to them. And then I have to send my good friend, Sydney, a shout out here. She spent hours and hours and, and then Colin joined her and spent even more hours building out a playbook from start to finish, how you would actually go from wanting to join Marketing Cloud and wanting to join the global program to actually getting there and joining the team and, and having the right people in the room and having the right people on the team and how you would be able to hit each step along the way to ensure that you were gonna be successful. Other things that we had were learning paths. So exactly from if you were a marketer or someone who was more on the technical side of marketing. So 
those people that were on the technical side didn't really care too much about some of the, the pre-conversations that were happening with the business. So they didn't need all of the same skills that those people who were building the emails were doing and, and things like that. So we really created curated paths for specific types of people based on the personas and things there. So another thing that we found that was super important was to have running question and answer spreadsheets along the way. So Mike, that was, you saved my life with those. So what, what did that look like? Yeah, so um, shout out to Australia. We're going to talk to Calvin in a couple of minutes here. So we did the deployment planning workshop and came out with our MVP. And while we were actually developing and getting stuff ready to test and getting ready for training, we uh, did some enablement along the way. So we had some interactive tech sessions. And as Joel mentioned, we had a Q&A spreadsheet where sometimes to uh, the chagrin and Joel and I, we kind of made it anything goes. Look, tell us what you need to know more about, whether it's technical enablement, how to do something, or whether it's a marketing question, how you would go about running a campaign or things like that. I came to Melbourne, you'd been on vacation for a week. And I think when we got there, we spent our first day going through about a hundred or so Australia questions. So they were chomping at the bit for us to get there. Anyway, but we got through our development and then we were looking to do our uh, training face-to-face -face as well. And then COVID hit. And you want to talk a little bit about that transition, Joel? Yeah, that was a, a bit of a tough one, a bit of a shock. We were, I think we were in Australia around February timeframe. And it was one of those things where pe some people were wearing masks and some people weren't, and we really didn't understand what was going on. And I mean, all I really knew was that I was heading back to Australia at some point. I think we were going to go to Ireland too. And we were all fired up about that. We were going to run some training sessions with them in person. Cause to be completely honest, that's one of the best ways to learn. And all of a sudden it was like, whoa, we, we can't go there. So we had dubbed the training sessions the train the trainer. So because they were virtual and one of the best training methods is to kind of train the, the people that are your super users or the individuals that have to know the product the best, get them trained up first and then and they can then go out and, and train others. And, and Mike, I think we had a name for that. What was it? Yeah, we had a, what Nicole called a learning rhythm. And uh, basically the learning rhythm was C1, do one, lead one. And a lot of the C1 was me doing fun marketing things like teaching them how to segment their subscriber base based on certain keys and how to build emails from a template and such fun things. It was good times. And then we had socks and figure skating. You want to talk a little bit oh, about man. the gamification? I think one of the key things when doing virtual learning is you have to make it fun. I get distracted very easily. I don't love virtual meetings. So the first thing we said was, how do we how do we make this fun? How can we get people to pay attention? So we went from, I think, full day sessions with people in person to three or four hour time blocks where Mike said we used a see one, do one, lead one rhythm. But from day one, we we taught them how to do things like create audiences. And then by the, the end of the, the last day, they were experts at creating emails, creating journeys within Marketing Cloud, and then creating cloud pages and, and what we had them do is actually build a demo on their own. So they learned everything and then their do one was, hey, they actually created it themselves and had something that they could actually show and bring to leaders or people in the business or in the marketing departments. And I almost forgot to mention, we named the demos the knock your socks off demo or the KYSO. And this was a tool that we used during our Salesforce CRM rollout actually. 
and it was meant to instill confidence in the person who actually created the demo so that when they did speak to the people that I just mentioned, they could really articulate how beneficial Marketing Cloud was going to be for that person. In a large scale transformation, people don't really change overnight as, as most people know, and, and the KYSO was really used to demonstrate the value of new ways of working. The way that we were planning on getting everyone excited is we purchased or a Salesforce gave us hundreds of socks and we had great socks with Salesforce logo and I was fired up. They were sent to me by our, our great account manager and executive producer of, of this podcast, Sanaz, and they went nowhere because I had plans to put them in my suitcase and bring them with us. And to this day, I still have hundreds of Salesforce socks because I haven't been able to, to deliver them to anyone just due to the travel restrictions. So that was that was pretty funny. I, I laugh at it a lot. If anyone needs socks, please reach out and I'm, I'm happy to, to provide them. I'm sure Salesforce would love the extended reach of, of marketing. And then figure skating, it's funny you say that. So Christine Robertson, who's one of our, our later guests in, on this podcast, is a huge figure skater. She's from Western Canada, figure skated herself personally. And what we wanted to do is create a kind of a friendly competition. And I'm sure we'll get into this with Calvin because there's a always friendly competition or hopefully friendly competition between the Aussies and the Kiwis. But we actually had the two groups of people that were in the tr same training session together create these demos and then show them to everyone. And, and we had a panel of figure skating judges giving out scores and, and the winners ended up with Salesforce swag, which absolutely everybody loves. Yeah, and in addition to Christine, shout out to Christy Nemec of Salesforce, Aaron McDonald, who's part of the PwC practice in Canada with Joel, and Vicky Bowden for judging, part of the PwC UK practice. And then from there, Joel, we had our testing and go lives, which I know we're going to talk more about with Christine in episode five, and we were good to go. So I think that kind of gives our listeners an overview of what Calvin went through from DPW to train the trainer to go live. And uh, I'm ready to interview him. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you guys are going to love Calvin. He's a great, great asset to have on the team. He taught us a lot, even though we were the ones that were running the global program. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce everybody to Calvin Yo. Hey, Calvin, how's it going? Not too bad. Hi, Joe. Good, good. So Calvin uh, comes to us from Sydney, Australia. He was the platform lead when we did the rollout with the Australia firm. So Calvin, welcome to the Launch Hour podcast. Thank you for having me today. This is exciting. So you've spent a long time in consulting um, and now you work in the marketing team at PwC Australia. Maybe take us through a little bit about where you came from, your experience. You've worked with Marketing Cloud for a long time. I, I think you're three times certified now with Salesforce. So I've come from uh, 24 years of uh, marketing experience. Mainly, I did not come directly for, as a consultant. I came in from a client-end perspective. From a client-end perspective, what I found was that I really understand how the marketing function works within the business. And then from that point onwards, in the last 10 plus years, I moved into my first role with the consulting was with Accenture for the internal marketing. And then finally moving into Deloitte in the last six years ago in the consulting practice, uh, heading up their marketing automation transformation practice in Australia. So my role there was to transform marketing departments, moving from the traditional marketing to more around marketing automation and other functionalities that fall under marketing. Awesome. So you've been all over the place. I think you've had the tour of consulting firms. Now you've settled into the great company that is PwC. So glad to hear it. And that's how we met. So I think... The first time we, we ever met, 
it was when we were planning the DPW to head down to Melbourne, which I was I quickly learned that it's pronounced Melbourne. So that's uh, fun for our our listeners. So I think the the big thing that I want to talk to you about, and we alluded to it before we brought you on with the conversation with Mike, is talking about the agenda planning and and how important this was for you to be successful. Because when we were planning it, we had our agenda. We were trying to run two of these types of sessions across the world with five or six or seven territories. I can't remember how many it was at the time. And and I remember getting on the phone or the video conference with you for the first time and not knowing who you were. And you're like, well, we need to do this, this, and this. And we're bringing 35 people. And talk to, <laughs> talk to us a little bit about that because we were quite overwhelmed. And I mean, at the time I was like, oh my God, why do we need to do all this? And I slowly learned and understood, but take us back to that moment. And and as you were planning for that DPW in, in Melbourne, what, what was going through your head? So basically, uh, we've been looking to move into marketing automation for the last four years. So I was brought on board to PwC Australia to help transform the digital marketing unit to implement marketing automation. So we've been planning for the last four years in terms of um, moving into this whole new way of thinking in marketing. So we already started the planning around the business requirements, the business transformation piece of work and et cetera. So when you guys came to us and said, hey guys, uh, it's about time, would you guys be interested in moving to Salesforce Marketing Cloud? So we were excited to do it and we already started our planning works and we already started lining up the EB and all the stakeholders and all the executive teams around what the new marketing world is going to look like. And we already started that transformation piece. So that's why when you guys came on board, it was very easy easy for us to say, hey, this is what we have. This is what we plan for. This is what we have already done. So all this would fit perfectly into the DPW. See, this is my 13th or 14th implementation of marketing automation for various clients. 80% of the work to be successful is around the planning and getting the rate of the business to move to this transformational piece. The technology can do anything you want. The way I see is if you don't have the strategy and the know-how, and also at the same time as what you want to achieve in short term, medium term, long term, you are going to struggle by just putting a technology and expect the technology to do what you want. If the technology will not tell you what to do, you need to tell the technology what to do. So that was the main reason why when you guys came on board, we were already pre-planned. We knew what we wanted. We also got all this documented. We already done, started doing the discovery work and et cetera. And we already set up the project team in the right way for Australia to navigate through the whole transformation process. One of the key other things I need to be mindful with Australia is we did not migrate from an existing system, marketing automation system or email system. We actually moved from the Australian version of Salesforce Marketing Cloud to a global Salesforce marketing cloud. So we already started building a lot of the transformational pieces in the old system. And when we migrated to the global system, it was very easy to just lift, copy and re-implement in the new system. Gotcha. So you you touched on a, a lot of key things there that I want to dive into. The one thing we spoke about, and Nicole has been talking about this one a lot lately, is I think you said in one of our touch points after you had gone live that this is a transformation, not a migration, and other territories need to keep that in mind. I think that's really key. And and even though you said you were just going from one instance to another, you did a lot of work to change the way that that things were being done. Yes, we did. I would say our teams had to restructure. 
So basically in the latest restructure that we had, our teams had restructured to be able to best utilize the technologies that we have implemented, Salesforce CRM, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and other systems to be able to help the business deliver their go-to-market strategies and get results out of it. So one of the key things is don't expect to put a new system in there and don't do any transformation because the worst case scenario, you would turn your tool into the world's most expensive email delivery tool. <laughs> I think I think that's a really good point. So an another thing you mentioned was the the stakeholders. I think I mean we worked with you, we worked with a lot of other territories and PwC network firms and the big thing that we noticed about the Australia team that contributed to the success and we noticed this from day 1 when we were there together in that hotel conference room was the stakeholder buy-in and support you had from the top. I know we spoke with Steve and Catherine and, and even the CMO came in the one day, I think, I think his name was Mike and that, and that was fantastic. So talk a little bit about how that contributed to the success and, and what, what that means to someone like you when you're planning this out. So we're very lucky to have like Catherine and Carrie and Steve Woolley. They knew what they need to do and use the transformation piece to help assist them to deliver the best in marketing and also be able to sell that up towards Mike McGrath. And being Mike McGrath, having coming from our CMO and also with marketing background, he understand what we needed and why we needed to transform and was able to sell it up to the EB team and as the stakeholder, what do you call the, the BU leads. So that was the key success. It did not happen overnight. To be honest with you, it took a few years. Okay. When we went to Salesforce Marketing Cloud, global, we had already had three full starts and that three full starts was a blessing in disguise because the, every time we full start, we went back to the people and just say, hey, come on, this is what's glo the global is transforming. We also have to do it. So it slowly got buying to a stage whereby they just say, get it over and done with. One of the key things also by doing that, it was so much easier for us to get the CFO to release investment funds through us. So basically, one of the key things with this project is the cost to implement this thing is fairly high. Most businesses will not have budgeted in their financial budget. Majority of them, you have to go to investment funds. So we went for investment fund and investment fund funded it for approximately one and a half years to two years for the operating of this. And then from that point, it will flip into the operating costs. The success was basically we had a strong marketing leadership team that went up to the right people in the right place in the right time to be able to sell the idea and the vision. And yeah, persistence is, I think, at the end of the day, it's mm. trying to... Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think the, the way how they did, they didn't try to do a big bang sell. They sold to each individual partners and the EB members separately through private conversations. Great. So Calvin, uh, Mike, great to talk to you again. So I know uh, Joel Konekowit, I want to start by, we got to give Calvin a shout out. Calvin, uh, in addition to playing an instrumental role on the project during the DPW when we were in Melbourne, was the hostess with the mostest, right, Joel? Absolutely. <laughs> Hands down. Talk a little bit about it, coordinating this and some of the great places in Melbourne you took us to because it was good stuff. Well, I think we have to start, Calvin, with like you run a little bit of a side business. So, you know, the ins and outs of all restaurants. And so that was that was unbelievable. Yeah, I pulled I pulled some strings uh, from context when I used to do a lot of event stuff when I was with a, another company. So basically, yeah, so I pulled a lot of fabulous strings. I knew a lot of people in the hotel industry and the restaurant industry and were able to deliver the fun part of it after the the work on nine to five or nine to six uh, uh, DPW workshops. 
the DPW workshops was built in such a way for the business, but I think after that, you just need people need to relax because the DPW workshops were quite intense. Yeah, that that they were. So going back a little bit to the lead up to the DPW, and then jumping ahead a little bit in preparing, we'll talk later more about train the trainer. But I know uh, you talked a little about the reorganization you guys went through. I know enablement and training was a key thing. Shout out to Renee. I know she was working with Joe quite uh, vigilantly to get some training collateral from his team. Talk about the challenge of training the operational team that was actually using the system. The challenge of training wasn't that difficult. The reason for transforming from, we weren't migrating from one to the other, we were transforming. Majority of the people that we train already use Salesforce Marketing Cloud, but the only thing they don't use it is they haven't used that stuff like around journey and journey builder and et cetera. So it wasn't really hard in terms of training them on a tool. The biggest training bit, I think it was kind of tricky was training them on the new process to go to market. So that's uh, creating the briefs, uh, the data briefs, the campaign briefs, and uh, getting the signed off, and then putting it into the calendars and et cetera, getting signed off from various people. That was the biggest change in, in the whole journey. It's just the process to get a campaign out onto the system has now changed rather than just ad hoc and just people just go for whenever they want. That was the biggest change that, that needed to happen. So we were fortunate that we had Luke Simpson and Renee that were part of the governance team that helped develop and drove the change. Tested out the change and tested out the processes and then getting it down into bite-sized training modules. And the wonderful part about it is all this happened during COVID time. So we actually had to rethink of how we train our marketers by moving them to an online Google Hangout training, by setting up breakout rooms and all that stuff, using Hangout and et cetera, uh, using other engagement training methodologies so people don't get sidetracked when they are on the training program. That was one of the key things that we, the success of our training. Even up to today, when we go, we have been gone live for now close to a year now, our training program has changed because the process that we have developed has to be very, very organic because as you use the process, you'll realize, oh, we need to change this. We need to change that. You need to adapt, look at, continue evolving your processes continuously. Otherwise you just end up people realizing, oh, that process doesn't work. So I'm just going to bypass that. Yeah, I think that's a key learning. Um, definitely from my experience, and I'm sure it's been yours as well, it sounds like is incrementalism is the way to go. Get something live so you can start to iterate on it. To that point, one thing you guys did, PwC as a firm in Australia, I, I joke, I still laugh, you guys call our sales cloud side, instead of Salesforce, you call it Salesforce Plus, which actually made it easy in distinguishing between sales cloud and marketing cloud, but you guys had actually implemented the sales cloud side or Salesforce Plus, as you guys called it, in advance and gotten that operational before we came behind that and implemented what we call the cross-cloud integration between sales cloud and marketing cloud and got marketing cloud stood up. And obviously, as you know, from marketing automation, really marketing automation is taking CRM and people data and you're kind of executing on that and executing email sends or what have you in marketing campaigns. What were some of the pluses and the minuses you thought of that approach of first getting sales cloud live and then uh, layering on marketing cloud as an integrated part of your overall Salesforce footprint? The way we saw it is we already were on Salesforce CRM anyway, okay? So what we decided to do is when we went to a Salesforce Marketing Club, we decided that 
in order to get the maximum utilization of Salesforce Marketing Cloud, we decided that the journeys must all start and all the uh, activities must commence from the CRM because that's our center of truth. The way we use Marketing Cloud is basically as an execution tool that marketers will then be able to develop their campaigns and segments and et cetera in Salesforce CRM, push it to Marketing Cloud to execute their strategies or what they call their campaigns. But we also use Marketing Cloud to capture information in terms of like forms and et cetera. But then we then curate the data to make sure the data meets our requirements and also meets the firm's governance before we push that data back into Salesforce CRM to be created as a record. So in other words, we also use the data extensions in Marketing Cloud to curate what we want and what we don't want, what we see of value and what we don't see of value and not just push everything back into the CRM. So that was one of the key things that we use this tool in terms of how we can leverage it from execution point of view, from inbound and outbound perspective. Yeah. And what you're talking about there, I know from after going live, from seeing what you were doing and the conversations we had after go live, that you guys have a pretty sophisticated progressive profiling campaign in terms of gathering information and enriching what you have in sales cloud with what you're doing from a marketing campaign standpoint. You mentioned a little bit about how you guys had actually worked on a legacy instance that was just for Australia for, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, an exact target 1.0 instance and then migrated to the global instance. What were some of the challenges that, and some of the, obviously there's price advantages of going to a global instance. What were some of the challenges that you had to navigate in going to a global instance? So the challenges that we had was um, in the old version of the marketing cloud environment, that system was not integrated with any of our existing CRM. We were using iPower at the time. So the data was actually only one directional and it was only being sent by iPower through an FTP site and Salesforce marketing just absorbs that information. It then only sends back the opt-outs and the responses to publication this to FTP and iPower takes that information and put and update the information in the iPower campaign module. So that was our biggest flaw because our database continued to grow and grow and grow. We, I think at one stage we had like nearly 200,000 records because there's no bi-directional feed links in terms of updating records or duplicates and all that stuff. So that was one of our biggest flaws. So one of the key things what we did was to migrate from the existing system to a new system, what we did was we did not migrate anything from Salesforce, their all existing Salesforce Marketing Cloud, the Salesforce Exact Target system into Marketing Cloud. But what we did was we cleaned up the iPower data and then decide the iPower data, which then fed into Salesforce CRM. Okay. So whatever went into Salesforce CRM will automatically come into Salesforce Marketing Cloud. But what we took from the old exact target system was the templates that we have created, that we have fixed up and created. And we only brought in the opt-out exclusion list that we had in the old system. And we brought that across into the new system to create an exclusion list. So that's the only thing that we did that we took across from the old system to the new system. Bear in mind, in our old exact target system, the only module that we had available for us was the email studio. We did not buy any of the other modules because that exact target, I think they bought it about six, seven years ago. And then finally, before I hand it back off to Joel to continue, as you mentioned earlier, you have a wealth of experience working on marketing automation implementations. What about this implementation, if anything, for better or for worse, surprised you in terms of challenges or positives 
Anything you want to highlight? I think this is my easiest implementation because a lot of the groundwork has been done. I've been through some implementations whereby legal has not been involved and all these other uh, groups have not been involved. From an implementation lead perspective, it gets into a lot of politics behind it and also a lot of roadblocks. So this is my advice is get your groundwork going and make sure you get it done, get legal, get everyone get on board, get them to sign off and everything, because that makes your life easier in terms of implementation side of it. Also, we all know PwC is the most complex business and a lot of, and it leads a lot of approval process. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that's an understatement, Calvin, on, yeah, on right. PwC being a complex <laughs> business. I mean, Mike, I'm sure you've done this with yeah. lots of other clients and, and I've worked on other clients and PwC is, is always, the more complex one because of the, the way we're structured and and all the different network of firms. I mean, I guess in, in that same vein, the one thing that we had that I found to be super beneficial and, and maybe for you, this was a little bit more you helping than benefiting. But from a global perspective, we were able to share a lot of the enablement assets to help with training with Renee and, and Luke as they did it, as we kind of talked to before. But what I really found to be effective was your experience combined with some of the, the global guidance that we were giving really helped out and improved the onboarding experience for the New Zealand team because they were with us at the DPWs. They attended the same train the trainer. So there was a little bit of the friendly competition between the two countries that you you always have for the train the trainer competition but at the same time i felt that you were able to share in the assets and the questions that the 30 or so people that were in the room that day and really helped to improve it from from your perspective i mean i know you helped them out a little bit on the side as well did you find working with another team was a benefit to you if it was something that you had to think about uh, yeah, I think working with teams is great because you get to share experiences because stuff that New Zealand has raised, sometimes we don't raise it, we, we have not seen it before. So it's a good opportunity to work as a team. And I always believe that that's how projects uh, are successful. I've seen the worst of implementation and the best implementation in my oh God, seven plus years in consulting. And so I kind of know all the, kind of not know all, but know majority of the potholes I need to avoid. And I've just used all those potholes up and just say, oh yeah, you need to avoid this. You need to avoid this. And and I've been helping the uh, New Zealand team when they, when they say, hey, we need your help and et cetera. So yeah, working as a team is great because they, they contact us regularly. Even up today, we get, I get calls from Singapore and all these other kind of, like India was the last one that needed some help. But um, the advice is, it's all the same. <laughs> get your house in order. Just don't go look at a lot of them and say, how fast can we get this out of there? But when you ask them, what's the groundwork? So I'll give you an, an analogy here. I used to consult to a publishing company. They've gone through three different marketing automation platforms. They've asked us to come in to do the fourth one. And the question I asked them, can you share me your strategy and your what you want to achieve? How are you going to achieve it? What's your KPIs? What's your goals and et cetera? They don't have it. So the question that I gave them was, so why do you think by installing the fourth platform will solve your problem? Because after the fourth platform, if it doesn't solve your problem, you have used up all the marketing automation tools in the, in the market space. <laughs> so with that comment, they went back and rethink about it and they restructured and look at the objectives and strategies and because it's not a technology implementation, it's a transformational implementation. Technology is only 20%, 80% is your other work. I think that is definitely something that we noticed from your project. But the key things that you guys had, I think it was you had some sort of 
project initiation document or something like that. And everyone was able to look back to that and say, hey, this is what we agreed on up front. These are the principles that we're trying to accomplish. And was that a big tool in getting buy-in or was that more of a directional thing? That document was critical in terms of getting buy-in because we needed to show the business, this is what we want to achieve in year one, year two, year three, year four. One of the key things is you cannot change the world overnight, okay? Uh, our business is so complex. It's it's just too hard to maneuver to change overnight. So we need to give them bite-sized pieces and et cetera. And also one of the key things is PwC is just not one firm. It's literally 700 or 1,000 partners. The way I see it is 1,000 small business operators. You need to get them buy-in to be able to help achieve what you want to achieve from an overall perspective. So that document was critical because the way we saw it is like to the partners was basically, we already done the thinking. So we're just not like typical markets that we just pull off from the air and just approve it, but we have science behind it. We have the data to back up and just say, we already done the thinking. Please give us approval and the budget to do this. So I think that was the logic behind it. It was very meticulous in terms of whatever we put in that had some data backing to it. Right. And and how did you find the initial go live? I mean, we saw it from our end and it seemed like it went pretty well and pretty smoothly compared to some of the others. But how did you feel it went with all of that buy-in and, and people seem seem pretty happy from the start, but what was it like on your end? It was not eventful at all. Nothing happened. It's just like a normal day. <laughs> that's, that's like the perfect example of, of, a, of a go live. Yeah. Yeah. People at home, that doesn't happen very often if you're not in the business. So that's really quite an accomplishment. That's, yeah. yeah it was, it was, I was hoping for a big bang launch where we wouldn't have COVID. We would have cake. We have this and that. No, COVID time, there was nothing. All we got, all I sent out was the launch pad with uh, Salesforce t-shirts and et cetera. Yeah, that's right. You even sent some. We had like that big plan to be back in Sydney. We had all sorts of swag planned out for that. And then, yeah, I think, Mike, we were kind of hoping to go back down down <laughs> for launch day again. And obviously that that didn't happen. So, Calvin, um, with that being said, where are you now? We're coming up on, I think, almost a year and maybe March was when you went live. Yeah, so we are constantly evolving the tool. Uh, I'm What I'm trying to do is at the moment is from day one, I always looked at it. This is just an executional tool. How can we use it with our existing infrastructures around the DPE or the websites, pwc.com website. So now we have done forms. Recently over the holidays, we've integrated LinkedIn registration, autofill forms for our website. So that's already been done in terms of advancement stuff. The next thing we are looking at is how we can utilize Social Studio. So Social Studio went live just before Christmas. In fact, we went live two days before Christmas. So what we decided is in the new year, look at how we can use Social Studio from an organic perspective and from an analytical uh, perspective side of it. And also in the coming weeks, we are about to go live with Salesforce surveys. How can we use that functionality in terms of using Marketing Cloud as an execution tool at some point in time. So we're looking at how we can improve the system and change the way we're doing. We are going to start looking this year in terms of how we use Audience Builder and also using more advanced journeys in terms of taking the marketers going through a process in terms of this is your, say for example, CFO survey program, how we can use journeys to execute the events the thought leadership and roundtables and all that stuff to give a far more richer journeys than just the standard email registration or a standard uh, newsletter journey. So we are slowly moving around that. But a lot of the work that we are doing, we are actually doing from the back end perspective using scripting and all that stuff in terms of how to best maneuver the data. 
so the markers will have a seamless execution and be able to utilize the data far quicker. We do not expect the markers to do it, so we have to do all this backend work to help the markers want to use the tool to deliver their activities. Awesome. Wow, you've been busy since we last spoke. That's great. Yeah, so the other thing I also wanted to point out, you notice I have not used the word campaigns yeah. in any other thing because we need to get away from the word campaign. Interesting. Most of our program, we need to start to move towards a program of engagement. A program can have multiple campaigns and also have multiple events involved in it. So the one thing you've got to be very mindful is where we move to transparency, we've got to stop the word use campaign because the way markets look campaign is, is one point in time execution and that's it. You need to move away from the, what they call this single fire and shoot activities. We need to move towards a program of work. And that's the next stage in, in the transformation that you're, you're talking about and getting away from, from that kind of old thinking. Yes, and we did it from day one. I refuse to use the word campaigns. Even in day one, I just say you need to start to work towards a program work. And so, but unfortunately, we still use the word campaign in the Salesforce CRM environment. But we tell them this is your parent campaign and this is your child campaign. Your child campaign can be your actual campaign or your thought leadership execution, or it could be your event. So, but it all should roll up into a single parent, which in Salesforce CRM is called the parent campaign, what we call is uh, the parent program. So Calvin, as we wrap up here, we, we've talked a lot in the first episode about how this whole project has really been a people project. We just wanted to kind of give you the floor and talk a little bit about Calvin, the person, you know, anything you want to share with us about your personal life and who you are, we'd love to hear. Okay. Um, I dabbled myself into many activities. So basically during COVID time, I I live in, in the city of Sydney. I'm fortunate to have a fairly large garden front and back. So I've been setting up new beehives. So currently at the moment, we, we, no have, four, four, yeah, we have four beehives out there and we supply the honey to a local restaurant, garden restaurant. So basically we have beehives now and thing. I've started last year, we have established some water plants. So we have have like lotuses that have been flowering and fruiting and everything's happening and then we're doing water chestnuts. So basically I spend a lot of my time at work, but I use my downtime to try to look at what I can do in a portal around the back of the garden and seeing what we can do. We're also getting a new puppy in, in a few days. His name is Jasper. He's a Kavoodle. And so he's joining a pack of three others. Yes, I know we will be a four dog house now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just couldn't help it because Jasper is Coco's uncle. So it's Coco is one of our other Cavoodles and he comes from a good gene and quite pleasant to have. And so we decided, well, since Coco's sister is having a pup, let's try to secure another one. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. So you have, you have a whole pack at your house. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, the only thing I'm missing is the chickens and ducks. <laughs> That's, I think that's my, one of my biggest, not regrets, but the things I was looking forward to is we had on our itinerary when I was planning out how the train the trainer session would go, we had a very important stop at your house to hang out in your garden and take a look at everything you had there. I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention, Mike, I think your favorite stop while we were down in, in Melbourne, and that was yes. the Tiki Bar, where I, <laughs> Calvin, you ordered, I don't know how many different Tiki-style cocktails. The fishbowl. And the volcano. 
that was like yeah. pure alcohol that was on fire. <laughs> yes, that's the heat bomb. My God, I do not know that they don't have air conditioning. Do you remember the heat? It was hot. Yeah, it was sure, like 40 yes. degrees outside, 40 Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit for our American listeners, but oh my God. That was, I mean, it was fun, but. Probably about 90, I'm guessing, for the people in America, yeah. Fahrenheit. Yeah, so I'd be interested to see whether they survived the COVID thing because I'm not sure many of them survive. A lot of the restaurants that we went to did not survive. Oh, that's too bad. That's that's sorry. That's sad to hear. That was one of my biggest highlights coming back here and telling everybody about the sushi the first night, which was like the lobster sashimi, which I'd never had before in my life. We had the suckling pig at that really nice kind of big open room and i don't know i've never been on a business trip like that in my life so i mean yes. from from the bottom of my heart thank you very much you were the most gracious host i've i've ever i've ever had to visit we should also thank salesforce for actually paying for some of the bills yeah yes, yes a big shout out to salesforce mike you can accept yeah, that on i think that was a small part of the contribution though the uh the planning was the labor of the love in that i think for sure so and, and thanks so much calvin for joining us as well we really appreciate it uh your insight's been tremendous and uh no problem. really you. appreciate it all around and uh appreciate your friendship as well thank you yeah i always like to see what you're doing on facebook and and keeping active to see what i mean i i, I did know about jasper i think from facebook and the excitement around that again calvin thank you so much we appreciate you joining us and i'm really excited to tell your story and you had a very very successful program at pwc australia so we were happy to have you on no problem thank you very much guys so mike that was a pretty good interview with calvin i missed talking to him the only thing i'm surprised about is we didn't hear any cuckoo clocks he must have turned them all off yeah it sounds like the beehive has taken precedent at this point perhaps but yeah great interview a lot of insights there and into the intricacies of doing an implementation i consider myself a pretty well seasoned consultant but calvin i think has me licked yeah he's pretty impressive i remember from day one when Colin, who we spoke about earlier, kind of got on the phone for the first time and was working directly with him and myself to try and plan out the agenda. And he was very particular about everything and how we needed to nail the delivery. And and I didn't really quite understand why we had to do a bunch of things. And, and then when we, we finally got down to Australia and we went through the project with him, it was extremely evident why the details were sweated and, and it showed. I mean, you heard them. There was an uneventful go live. Yeah, for sure. So two episodes in the can, huh? Exciting stuff. I know. It feels weird. We we planned this for so long and, and now we're two episodes in and it, we're reconnecting with people that we haven't spoken to in a while. And it's it's really nice. Yeah, for sure. Excited. We've got, I think, a pretty cool guest on top for episode three. Yeah. So for episode three, we're going to bring on Lauren Ingram. So Lauren's official title is the Client Facing Technologies Product Lead at PwC. So she works on the global tech team. So when we were initially rolling out Marketing Cloud across the world to a number of territories, her team was the one that was initially standing up those business units. And as we now continue to move towards steady state for all the teams that have already implemented Marketing Cloud, it's trying to figure out, okay, so we've made it here and how can we now innovate and, and move things forward and, and push the envelope and get even more out of the platform and the product. So really looking forward to talking with Lauren. Um, she has some great insights and she's really well spoken. So I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, and I guess before we go ahead and put a wrap on it, we should probably tell them where to find us one more time, huh? Yeah, we want this to be engaging. We want to hear from you. So again, I will list out our email address and splash page. So the splash page, you can find us at pwcpodcast.splashthat.com 
gmail.com. And then our email address is gbl underscore launch underscore hour at pwc.com. And Mike, how can they engage with us on social media? LinkedIn and Twitter would be the social media networks of preference. And you can hit us up using hashtag PWC launch hour. And Joel, looking forward to episode three. Yep. Looking forward to episode three. All right. Thanks all for listening and we'll see you next time on launch hour. Bye everyone.